0: Hello, everyone, to the 53rd episode of Everyday Eternal. With me tonight, as usual, is my co host Bob Wang. Hello, hello. Whose name I will eventually probably learn how to properly pronounce.
1: <laughs> oh, you're like mostly there.
0: Ah, uh, okay. I-, I will get there by episode 100, I hope. <laughs> and joining us tonight from, oh, let me lie, was it, was it, was it California? Is Chase Hansen, also known as Stryfo or Clashed in the Magic Online universe, one of the most successful, if not the most successful, uh, person playing Magic Online? How's it going, Chase?
2: Uh, Very well, thanks. And yeah, you got it right. California.
0: (laughs) I was like, oh yeah, you got it right. Most successful player. (laughs) 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 So um, for everyone who doesn't know you yet, uh, tell us a little bit about like, do you play a lot of online do you play a lot of offline magic like we will talk about what you are especially known for later on just to give a short introduction like who who do we have on the cast tonight
1: yeah
2: uh recently i play almost exclusively online there's not much of a paper scene by where i live uh but i used to play in paper all the time and i, I gotta say i really miss it oh you do yeah paper magic there's something about just holding the cards and uh, it's it's it doesn't compare really to online oh, oh the, i'm
1: with you there
0: i can totally see i'm actually gonna play my first paper tournament. actually i can't say that because i played in beijing but outside of beijing the, i'm gonna play my first paper event in over half a year tomorrow i'm really looking forward to that i'm but, jealous <laughs> and speaking of paper and online uh did you guys watch the, or are you guys watching the Mythic Invitational going on right now in Boston?
1: Yeah, actually, I've been following it um, pretty closely. I would say I actually started a uh, like a draft with my friends, and we all picked like our players. So uh, it was actually pretty crazy because uh, so I'm not gonna go through the entire draft, but within the there were eight people, uh, and then we had eight rounds for 64 people drafted. In round seven. There were five people drafted in round seven who made it to the top 16. But in rounds one and two total, there were only three players. So it was very, there were a lot of unexpected players who made a uh, top 16. And I, I thought it was a very exciting event. Like the, the production was awesome. I think they got more women involved, which I'm excited about. Uh, and I think it was just like a really fun event. And I'm excited to see the rest. Uh,
2: I, I only watched a little bit of it but I, I agree it's super exciting and I I really like the way it looks. Uh, I, I haven't played Arena at all so or, or even really watched it before so I've been really impressed with how it looks.
0: Yes same for me definitely. Uh, this is for the first time in quite a while this is giving me the feel that I've always wanted from Magic and like there's still many things that are left to be desired but Overall, the entire feeling, it's really giving me that eSports vibe. And like like I mentioned, there's still many things, and we talk about that on Twitter a lot, that they need to improve upon. Uh, but overall, this this got me legit excited. And I think that they hit like 85k viewers peak today. So I really think they will, like, for the first time ever, crack 100,000.
1: Oh, is, is, that, is that really? Like a Pro Tour has never cracked 100,000? I don't know.
0: I have to lie, but... I heard people <laughs> on another podcast say that. <laughs> I have to lie, but <laughs> here's my lie. <laughs> <laughs> they were talking about how that's actually like never happened before, and those are like the podcast, that was like standard dudes and and people who are really close, uh, close to that. But I, I, it would make sense to me, like given whom they invited for this event, they probably got so much reach, like a reach that they've never seen before, even during the pro tour.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely got a lot of Hearthstone pros, they got a lot of like uh, streamers who play other games too, so yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah, maybe
0: maybe even a couple of uh, Artifact pros will cross over, because right before we started the cast, Wolf actually released news that they're putting Artifact on a hiatus, I want to say, like they want to fix it before it comes back out again, I wonder if it's ever going to come back.
1: Yeah, that was like the, the, the big game that was going to like take over Magic or whatever. But then I think they just ended up making it too difficult and too complicated. So it just like wasn't, it was just too complicated. So people didn't know what was going on. So people didn't like feel like they wanted to learn it.
0: Yeah. Have you actually played it?
1: Uh, I have not. I, I've gotten close to playing it and I've watched a little bit of it. Um, But uh, like like I was saying, it was just like a lot to take in. And uh, maybe if it like got bigger, I probably would have tried it, but it is what it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So let's see what's gonna happen to that. But with that, uh let's get back to the more people would argue more complicated stuff, as is the legacy format. And with us tonight is well, I guess we should say another expert, Chase, who is like if if you've been living under a rock, or as we say in Germany, behind the moon you p- might not know what he's known for, but other than that, there's one deck that's heavily associated with uh, Stryfo, Clashed, or Chase. Uh, actually, which,
2: what do you prefer to go by on, on the online, uh, rhyme? uh I mean, for people that know me, Chase is fine, but if I had to choose between Strifeo and Clashed, it's Stryfo, Clashed is uh, a friend of mine. Oh, So it's actually like an account you took over from him, allegedly? <laughs> Yeah, there's a bit of an interesting story. Uh, When I was playing a lot of Paper Magic, I met a a guy, Clash, uh, and he said he was playing online, and he had Reanimator, which is what I played at the time. And I said, hey, if I pay you some money, can I play on your account? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he was like, yeah, sure, you know. Uh, And then I went super, super infinite, and I don't think he cared. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so so you never actually got around to making your own account? Well I, I had an account, but I didn't want to put you know several hundred dollars into reanimator when I could pay much less to play.
1: Oh, that's... So you were doing mana traders before it was even a thing?
2: Yeah, something like that.
1: <laughs> nice. So
0: for how long have you actually been playing magic and especially legacy? Uh, because you mentioned that you've played Reanimator before. Was it like Blue Black Reanimator? He top a with?
1: Grand Prix with Reanimator, Julian. Oh, talk about
0: preparation for the podcast. Of course I knew that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which TP was that?
1: Seattle in like 2015, I want to say.
2: Yeah, uh, it, was, it was SeaTac, I think, back when the venue was not so good. Or was it the smelly venue? <laughs> I don't know. It was just not in Seattle.
0: Yeah. yeah, people complain about the that, like, the entire area smells a little bit of rotten eggs, and apparently that's actually true, because there's some natural phenomenon going on that actually makes the entire area smell. Shout out to everybody listening from that area who's cursing me right now, and he's like, no, Julian, you're lying, this is, like, perfect over here. Fake news, fake news. Also, oh, you top-edited a GP, okay, 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 now, now we have to talk. Why this stack, if you top-edited a GP of 3-inemater? Really a- <laughs> no, it's <just. laughs> Tell us, tell us about your journey. Like, how did you get into magic, uh, and how did you arrive at what you are playing right now?
2: All right. So, when I first started, my, my cousin actually introduced it to me, uh, and he had this really cool. Uh, you know, when I was like a little kid, I thought it was super cool. He played something similar to Reanimator. Uh, he didn't have like Reanimator, animate dead. He had some more expensive. Uh, version of those spells but he would play like avatar of woe and i just felt like i couldn't ever win (laughs) yeah that kind of spunk us yeah it was so cool and then that's what i wanted to play uh when i eventually built i guess my first deck was mono black discard uh (laughs) because it's cheap and i thought the rack was kind of cool and him to turak felt really good it still does (laughs) agreed and then uh, I-, I built uh, I built a reanimator deck like slightly before this was like when a chroma was still one of the <laughs> the <targets>. best creatures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't laugh, I... I did that in vintage with <laughs> oath. I quickly played against someone who had Caracas and Source to and I realized that legends aren't so good and creatures without Shroud aren't so good. <laughs> Because wasn't coast. even printed yet.
0: <laughs> He's not here tonight. <laughs> so, so when was that? That was must have been like the early 2000s, I would guess.
2: Um, this would have been like 2008, maybe. Okay. Uh, okay. I was still in high school, uh, and then Ginga taxis got printed, and there was like this mental misstep reanimator era where it felt really good, and Jim Gitaxius was insane, and then Grizzlebrand got printed.
0: <laughs> yeah, right, <Then> and <laughs> ever since Restored came out, and
2: like, without
0: going too deep into that topic, I think ever since Restored is probably one of the biggest turning points in the history of Legacy. It gave us Grizzlebrand, which changed combo forever, it gave us Terminus, it gave us um, basically the entire Innistrad block. They also gave us Devour of Secrets. They gave us Liliana. A lot of things changed. So if you played before, if you played after that, I think you really had a very different magic experience. Uh, legacy experience, actually.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, when Grizzlebrand was printed, I didn't want to play very many of it. Like, I, I could recognize that it was by far the best creature. Oh, you but <laughs> it's, it's so boring compared to all the other stuff.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, no! I really wish we had Eric on on the cast tonight, but it's like I don't know four in the morning, five days later in Thailand right now, so we couldn't do that. <laughs>
1: yeah, Eric has the opposite philosophy where it's like, wait, Grizzlebrand's way better than every other card, so you don't even need to play any other card. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why would he do that? Right, sixty Grizzlebrands, easy game. Just make yeah. fair opponent to show and tell.
2: <laughs> so but, yeah.
1: Uh, so yeah, then how did you go over to playing uh, four color control?
2: Um. So I was so basically immediately after the GP top eight, uh, I was messing around with actually Nickfit, <laughs> and nice. I, like I this was is... getting better every day. <laughs> <laughs> like I was looking to find my niche uh, because. Uh, also, around that time is when Black Red Reanimator started being really, really popular, and I think that that deck killed Blue Black not because it was so much better that it just always won, but because it put a target on your back, and it just made it way harder to play around everything. Uh, so yeah, I agree with that. that.
0: From from top aiding a GP with like one of the best
2: decks in the format
0: was to trying to make Nick fit work
2: uh I mean I, all sorts of stuff i was I was just trying to find my way uh and i really i've i really like cube and so I was trying to make a deck that gave me that cubish feeling uh-huh. i I always draft infinite color control in cube and so i was okay I was, now
0: now I'm seeing where you're coming from. <laughs>
2: So I was, you know, trying to cast those big, flashy, fun spells, uh, draw lots of cards, and I was messing around with all sorts of stuff. A Demonic Pack deck showed up, uh, various Nick Fit builds, Life from the loam decks, just all sorts of stuff. And I landed on this, or I I played against this guy who was playing Punishing Miracles, and I was like, man... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he, okay, he, he had he had <laughs> Mahiri and dak faden and punishing fire in his deck and i was like wow this dak faden punishing fire is sick i want to play this uh but i don't want to play all these white cards i don't i'm not into that um yeah who needs terminus anyway right yeah what i really wanted to play was notion thief because i I'd, I'd messed around with that a little bit Oh god! You got um, me with that cut so many times. In <laughs> <gone there>. Notion
0: Notion <laughs>
1: thief, deck fade, and our best friends. It's insane. Uh,
2: and and that's when I started building like the first drafts of that deck. And this was in like uh, 20, t- 2016 winter. It must have been.
1: Okay, so death right was legal. Were you playing death right?
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, I quickly. So once this was like slightly after the or no slightly before the top ban, like okay so s-
1: so checkpile was very popular, and you were playing like your version with Dak Faden basically, and punishing fire
2: uh something like that, my initial versions were pretty far from check Uh, there was a lot more clunk, but uh, even more, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like I was playing more like two notion thieves in the main and eventually like Del- just playing against Delver enough times, so you realize that you can't do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, we, we talked about it a couple times on this podcast, like how much of a constraint, like Delver and, and more recently, like Moon You put like a lot of deck building constraints on the format where you just can't, for Delver, you can't play expensive spells and for Moon, you have to play like a bunch of basics. Um, so yeah, that, that's always been pretty, pretty true for Legacy in general but yeah let's let's talk about um this past weekend so so one reason we invited you on the show is actually you played uh with your four color punishing thieves deck and you actually won the legacy quarterly playoff this was like basically the first um possibly the biggest like open or not completely open because you needed uh 35 format points but possibly the biggest open legacy event uh, on magic online ever And, and you won the event with your your deck you've been playing for a while and uh, we were talking earlier too. I think you have like either the most top eights, or you're like maybe like top three in terms of like challenge top eights. So yeah, you've just been having a ton of success with this deck. Almost nobody else plays it. I think a couple people might have like picked it up here and there, but for the most part, like you are the one person who plays it. And so like, is that like you? You mentioned like going for your niche. Like, is that what you are really excited about in Magic? Is like because even when you played the Reanimator deck. Blue Black Reanimator was a very popular deck, but then you you splash two colors, uh, which was very unusual at the time. So like, are are you like always a like tinkerer, like a deck builder? Like, do you really try to play something like kind of different from other people?
2: Uh yeah, I, I always kind of try to put my spin on things. I I have a little bit of a different way I think of just deck or a different way of looking at how decks play, uh, and you know, people build the deck to some people build to win, I build to have fun and <laughs> <laughs> But you win so much What's the secret? <laughs> Maybe having fun is the key to success. Oh wow. Who would have known? <laughs> I mean no, it's but... it's not fun if you're losing all the time.
1: Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Well, okay, so tell us a little bit more about your list. Like you mentioned like trimming some of the four drops, uh but still I look at this deck and it's like, wow the the spells are so expensive. Uh, and, like, you have stuff like Punishing Fire, Deck Fade, in. like, you have more Planeswalkers than pretty much any other, uh, Legacy deck. How does it really, like, just tie together in that, like, you're able to still play these games against Delver despite having, like, you know, a much higher CMC, uh, compared to most decks out there, like... Um, like I assume basically like when you look at the deck like you you look at the, the list and you're like wow how does this beat like combo or, or whatever but, like you I I've, I've played against you a bunch of times with a bunch of different decks and like every match seems really close. So the sum is definitely greater than its parts and can you can you just like talk about the deck and how it like you know how it functions, how it works and like how it's able to do so well?
2: Yeah, so I think a big a big thing about legacy is just getting your mana. Uh, or I guess that's magic in general, right? You just <laughs> you need to have your mana work out. And I, the way I sort of constructed the deck is I've ish- like decided against playing some powerful cards, like for example, Hymn to Turok. Like that's the the one of the cards that's most known from the Grixis control decks, right? Because it's just so hard to cast. Uh, not necessarily just on turn two, but then it makes your other spells down the line hard to cast. So. I I try to stay away from those really, really color intensive cards in the early game, uh, unless they're the easy, easy colors. Like, I definitely want my early stuff to be like blue (laughs) or maybe black, but I don't want doubles on anything because I want to be casting those harder cast spells down the line. And once you get to three, if you can drop Dak Vaden and untap, you'll win because it, it fixes your mana or it fixes your flood and it just it does so much i think that card is extremely underrated in the format in general even if you don't have a ton of synergy to go with it yeah, it's interesting because in legacy usually like the the rule that the format
0: has operated on for a very long time was like if you've got a four mana spell and you resolve it it's very likely to win you the game but now you're telling us there's this three mana spell which is like deck faden And all you need to do is, like, run it out and untap with it, and you'll be in a really good position, which I can agree with. Like, when I play Elves against that, and you get that, like, faint and you successfully untap with it, I'm feeling really, really bad. Uh, There's a couple of reasons, like, all the synergies that are going on in the deck. Uh, But also, like, it's the kind of cards... I don't know how often you get to ultimate it, and whether it actually does something. Like, I'm actually going through your list. Do you have anything... I guess you can actually use Fettle push on, on like something expensive that doesn't kill to steal it, but really just the filtering itself, right, is probably going to be good enough for you to get there.
2: Yeah, so there's there's two pieces of what you just said that I want to touch on. And one is, uh, you know, in every matchup there's tons of dead cards, because you're playing this awkward control deck, and you, you just make your card quality so much better with that filtering. Uh, you, you get to get rid of your bad ones, not just from a Lance perspective, but get rid of your bad cards, get your good ones. And as far as the ultimate, I mean, Dak Faden works with Punishing Fire in multiple ways. I've definitely Punishing Fire my fair share of... Uh, of Jace's even? Uh, <laughs> Jace's, Merit Lages, uh, all sorts of stuff. Like, you ultimate Dak and then you Punishing Fire, you steal a very wide range of permanents nowadays.
0: I guess the the uh, rule change about targeting actually helped you out right because before you would actually target the player and redirect the damage to chase but now i think it actually says target planeswalker i would think pretty yeah, sure about that
2: absolutely it was so exciting when they made that rule change i wasn't <laughs> i wasn't quite aware of how good it would be turns out it was it was actually a pretty big deal like a lot of the ways that miracles could beat you before is like stick a jace and then counterbalance to counter your punishing fires forever, but if you ultimate deck, that doesn't work anymore.
0: Has that happened on stream? Like we uh, actually initially we should mention that that you actually stream on Twitch TV slash is it Strifo?
2: Yeah, it is Strifo. I'll
0: link to that in the show notes for sure. Do you Excellent. have like a, a dedicated streaming schedule that you try to adhere to, or is it like freestyled?
2: Uh, it's I, I stream the challenge every week. I didn't stream this uh, this bigger. What what did they call it? The quarterly. But I stream the challenge every every week when there's a challenge.
0: Awesome, awesome. And you also do really well in those. And I think for, for how long have you actually been on this deck? Because I think
2: you've been on this like for at least a couple of years now. Um, almost two and a half years now, I think. Yeah. And,
0: like you mentioned. You're running a lot of stuff that you want to filter through with Deck Faden. Uh, is there... Because like when you initially look at the deck list, you would think that the deck is somewhat weak to combo. Uh, tell us about that. Like For example, how does your Storm or Sneak and Show matchup uh, shape up? How, is that something that you feel uncomfortable in? or Because I also don't see too many cards in the sideboard against that. Just like a little bit here and there. Yeah, and of course. Legacy Allstar Pulse of Morassa. I'm loving that <laughs> card.
2: <laughs> I, I love that card too. Uh, so, Storm is really hard. Game one, uh, you pick up a lot of points in games two and three, actually, such that. Uh, w- so before I switched computers, I had this uh, this rough track of my of my data, and I was in about. 80 matches with Storm, slightly over 500, and that was winning only like 30% of game ones. So it gets much better post-board. And it, it all comes down to just understanding your role, and understanding how good Nile Spellbomb is. Like, if you play Nile Spellbomb on turn 1, a lot of times it becomes much harder for them to win, because they can't piff loop you anymore. Uh, and then you can set up... If you if you can resolve Jack Fade in, then you can find Notion Thief, and then you can win the game uh, in like very quick fashion from there. But uh, it, it, it's really like, you know, land some sort of like a spell bomb or a clock or something, and then use Dak Faden or Jace or whatever to, to go through your deck and find something to put the nail in the coffin. Uh, Sneak and Show turns out is actually a very good matchup. You win about the same amount of game ones as you do against Storm. But the post games are so much more favored. I I've, I win like 35% of game ones and over 70% of matches against Sneak and Shaw. Uh, which is why when I ran into JPA Whoa. in the finals, <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously JPA is very good, but I wasn't super concerned because I think the matchup is in my favor. Once you once you understand that you can hold like Notion Thief or Leovold in your hand and then their, uh, their show and tells become much, much, much worse. Uh, because they're not using them as a draw seven. They're using it as a put us a, a creature that you can kill into play. Okay, okay, that that's pretty. Are, are those numbers that you actually tracked, or is it
0: something that you feel like is true? Because like, if you tell me you've got thirty percent pre pre-board, but you win the match by seventy percent, that makes your postboard win percentage like I don't know in the in the eighty percent range. Or I'm sure somebody will calculate that for us. Uh, we can probably do that ourselves. But that makes your postboard uh, win rate insanely high maybe one of the highest in all of legacy
2: yeah um these are these are numbers that i've tracked over admittedly a somewhat small set of matches like 50 or so matches against sneak and oh, show that's decent. but uh i mean you i've i've got the feel of it because because this is the same thing that was happening in the death right era when when the sneak and show showed up it wasn't as as popular then because there was some more Him rock and leo Vold running around but
0: yeah yeah and when you when you look at the deck like we mentioned combo can be rough what are the kind of matchups you really do want to face like what is your opponent supposed to do in the first turn that makes you feel good
2: planes go (laughs) 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 is it though? is that the case death and taxes is the best matchup by a lot uh it's what makes it so good i'm not exactly sure uh you you, can... you, you have punishing fire. <laughs> and...
1: You also have deck Faden to like mess with their Stoneforge mystics and vials.
0: And they're, they're revokers, I guess. <laughs> you don't
2: play so many revokers anymore. At least I don't see them. Maybe they bored yeah. them out because they don't want me to take
0: them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you play a revoker, you probably have to like blind name deck Faden anyway, right?
1: Yeah, if they know the matchup.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've definitely stolen a ton of swords and. Some of it comes down to online that not everyone understands how uh, control of equipment works out. So you can steal like a sword of fire and ice or a cheat, and they'll attack you with it, and then you get the trigger, and they're <laughs> super far behind.
0: <laughs> that, that's actually how it works. Oh my god, that's that, I. Little, I played so much <laughs>
1: Legacy, and I did not know that. I I knew that like. If you stole a Batter Skull, they would still be attacking you, and you would still take the damage. So you have to, like, equip it to your own creature. I did actually not realize that, like, you control the GTA in the Sword of Fire and Ice, so, like, it, they actually shouldn't even attack with it. That's so funny.
0: Yeah, yeah. in the case of Batter Skull, it makes sense, right? Because the creature gets lifelink. But, like, in the case of, like, Sword of Fire and Ice, where the sword actually has, is the trigger, uh, I always thought there was a rule that, like, Equipment can't be equipped to your opponent's creatures, but apparently I was wrong on that. <laughs> that that's pretty that's pretty wild.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's super it's super goofy. It it against players that know what's up, it's a fog which is good enough. Uh, but against players that don't know, they lose their mom. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty harsh. So I, I would guess you you feel pretty favored
0: in most of the like fair and mid range matchups. Um, Against miracles, for example, like the, those hardcore grindy control decks, do you also feel that you're, you're like pretty well set up? I guess in the first game, it's, it can be kind of awkward if you draw the quote-unquote wrong half of your deck, uh, but I guess also deck Faden and, and brainstorm helps with that quite a bit because I see you're running a lot of uh, removal spells. That might be that, but as well as well, pun- even punishing fire is like decent against miracles, right?
2: Yeah, punishing fire is actually very solid against miracles. Kills their jace. Uh, yeah. it, it, you can set up turns where you can deal with Mentor. Um, the, the only cards that are really important in that matchup are Entreat the Angels if they're playing it, uh, sometimes Counterbalance, and Back to Basics. Uh, and so if you can save your counters for those, then you're in a pretty good spot. Especially if you can force them to counter some of your Im- impactful spells. I
0: see and are there any, any kind of really funny, we already touched on this a little bit uh, any kind of other really funny tricks that you pulled with Dark Faden where you got to steal something really crazy, like I don't know, did you steal like the Dark Depth combo from the opponent and, and do that yourself or something, I don't know
2: <laughs> So, I've never stolen like a Thespian stage to steal there or to like make a Merit Lage, but I've definitely stolen Merit Lages, and in fact that <laughs> happened in the, uh, in the Quarterly I, when I played against a slow
0: depth stack oh that's pretty amazing i actually i should watch your stream a lot more but i'm usually i'm usually playing myself and the challenges and then i usually try to focus on that or i watch anorak because he's always going late and then it's like okay who's still playing <laughs> 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 so one card we already touched on is pulse of morasa tell us about this. When do you bring it in and what are the awesome things it does for you? Because I've mean, usually seen it in uh, Modern before, like to stop the, the infinite combo with like, you know, what they had with uh, Kitchen
2: Fings and here and Melira. But what is it doing in Legacy? So let's... Uh, the, the first place I actually used it, I want to start there, uh, is, is in Nick Fit uh, when Fit I was first. messing around with that. Uh, and I just couldn't beat Burn. And so I was looking for a spell that wasn't completely dead everywhere. Uh, like, I could play it against Delver, and, but I wanted something that said gain life on it. And that's where I came to. Uh, and when I built this deck, I remembered that. And I, I decided to try it out, and I just loved it. Uh, as for tricks, uh, there have been several times where... so so. In the Deathrite Shaman era, when I was like at the very end, where I was top baiting a challenge like almost every week, <laughs> uh, I played against a Delver player in the leagues, and I had like a a baleful strix in my hand and one in the yard, and he knew about the strix in my hand, but he didn't know about pulse, and he waited for me to draw my card, uh, and then surgical the strix, and I had mm-hmm. he had Gurmag in, in play, I pulsed it back. Uh, he had no cards in hand and I replayed Strix and he very quickly lost the game uh, and salted me super hard in chat <laughs> <laughs> and he said, he said something to the effect of, I can't believe you're playing such a bad card, that's the only win you'll ever get with that card. <laughs> like, and now all this him.
0: <laughs> and now you actually won one of the most important online legacy tournaments in the history of the
2: format, pretty much, right? Uh, I don't know about most important, but it was certainly highly, highly competitive. It was it was so cool seeing all the the players in that. It's like, oh, you know, all the trophy leaders or a bunch of the trophy leaders here. Both of you guys were playing. It It was it was pretty, uh, pretty competitive. (laughs) Yeah, it was 141 players. And for those
0: who don't know, this is a new thing they do in Magic Online um you can qualify for these quarterly events by playing a lot of magic online and doing well and then you can use your points to sign up for these events and unlike the regular events you really only have people in there who like play a lot of legacy so this is a pretty cool event and top aiding it means quite a bit like unfortunately i i screw uh, basically well i went O two drop but i had one of the worst days of the year like health is like, I felt really bad, but I don't really use that instance. I also didn't play right, well. So I'm really very much looking forward to the uh, to the next one that I'm gonna have. And Bob, how did it go for you? What did you play?
1: Yeah, I think I also started off pretty badly. I don't remember I started O two, 2 but I think I started 1-1, but I ended up 4-4 on the day. I played uh, the slow-depth deck. Uh, I've been, like, waffling back and forth in Legacy. Um, right now, yeah, so let's talk now about, like, where Legacy is. It's, like, supremely balanced. And like, if you look at what did well in the playoffs, like the top eight decks were two Death and Taxes, one Maverick, Chase, uh, Sneak and Show, Bug Depths, uh, Grixis Delver with Stifles, um, but there was, like, the kind of the de facto top three decks I think people were expecting were, like, Miracles, Blue Red Delver, and Storm, and maybe Blue White Stoneblade. And those decks were, like, nowhere to be seen. So, like, if you look at the top eight decks, they don't really have too much in common, but they, they were all, like, not really considered, like, the best decks, if you will. Not that there really is a best deck in Legacy right now, but, like, it just feels to me like the decks that were targeted did poorly and the decks that were more under the radar did well. So legacy just become very cyclical. It's like very, very balanced, um, to a point where like death and taxes was, c- was considered pretty bad for a while. Now it's probably pretty good again, which means that greasic control was also considered pretty bad for a while, but if there's enough death and taxes to prey on, then it might be pretty good again. So it's just, it's just like very interesting that S- legacy has actually developed this cyclical metagame where it feels very healthy and balanced. How do you guys feel?
0: Yeah, for me, like we we talked about this over the last couple of weeks. That I don't know, I felt a little, I can't say worried, but I didn't enjoy Legacy for like a week or and a half. Where I was like trying all kinds of shit, like when I was going around like trying to moon people, and I felt like, oh, this is second, <laughs> this is the second coming of, of Christ or whatever. And it was do like, you, yeah, do you know
1: what that means in in like American English? Going around trying to moon people, Julian. <laughs> I probably don't. <laughs> really, you don't? You've never heard of like mooning someone? No. Uh, it just means you go go around and then you like pull your pants down and show them your ass. Yeah. So so, so don't don't mean... don't actually do that in real life. I would advise against it.
0: Yeah. Let's say I tried to blood moon right people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I had no idea. <laughs> anyways so, I I thought like blood mooning people was the next best thing I wanted to do and I did that for a couple of leaks and they went really well. But then the Blood Moon stopped rising and things sucked. So I actually right now arrived at Green-White Maverick, which I've been playing for uh, the better part of a week. Uh, Almost a week, let's say. And I've been doing really well with it. Uh, From the top of my head, my stats right now with it on Magic Online are like something like 25... six or something like really 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 good i just got another 5-0 with with it before the before the podcast started and i'm really feeling the deck and part of that is that i think black uh creature maverick is one of the kings of creature combat i guess there's also death in texas which it always makes for great matches and you also like you have okay game against the combo decks like elf's horrible but other than that i don't know i'm really feeling the deck i'm also playing it tomorrow so i think i've I've regained my joy and fun that I have in the next. I can't believe I said I was mooning people anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So we've been talking about legacy for like forever on past couple weeks. We've covered these teams. Yeah. Chase, what's your take? Like, how do you feel about the format right now?
2: Um, I don't know. I, I will say I preferred playing with death, right? Shaman than playing without, uh, but... yeah. And why is that? Uh, this is completely anecdotal first, uh, but it just feels like there are more people that are just trying to slam a random haymaker and end the game. Like, when I play against Miracles, Back to Basics is there all the time. There's a bunch of people playing Blood Moons. There's a bunch of people playing, uh, I guess, Back to Basics in in a bunch of decks, right? And Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of combo that's harder to interact with, and it's just... Uh, I mean, I played Reanimator for seven years, but it's not the most fun thing.
1: Yeah, no, I, I actually do agree with you. I think the format has become more about like you know s- uh slamming pieces down and being like, all right, is this good enough? Um, even uh, so we can talk a little bit about the Star City Games Open. There was a team open. Um, that one of our good friends, Min, top-aided with, and he played Blue-White Miracles. And he actually said, actually, this was just Blue-White Show-and-Tell because (laughs) uh, he played so many, like, powerful pieces that just, like, won the game by themselves, like Jace, Mentor, Counterbalance, Back to Basics. Uh, Like, he just felt like it was just, like, Legacy's not about, like, accruing cards over long periods anymore. Um, It's about just, like, untapping with something that just, like, wins the game. Um, Although, obviously, Chase is playing a deck that's accruing, like, two-for-ones over and over again before eventually it wins the game. But I I definitely agree with you. It seems like there's more non-games, certainly, in Legacy. So it's becoming a little bit more, like, modern in that sense, in that, like, one player just has an awesome hand and the other player never really gets to play. Um, But at the same time, I I don't think it's gotten to the extent that, like, that's just, like, what all the games are. Uh, is that's what's happening um but there definitely seems to be a little bit more of that so
2: yeah absolutely i, I don't want to send the wrong message i love Legacy. i'm enjoying it a lot uh it's just uh you know there's a, a higher number of those those games that are not very fun but there's still plenty of fun to be had
0: yeah, that was also the the thing that made me feel a little burned out of legacy like i was talking about that in blue chat quite a bit where i felt like it's so much about about power level right now about like doing powerful things and when i was playing elves i felt like uh, that synergies were somewhat under i can't really really say undervalued that synergies weren't as important as untapping with grizzlebrand or something like that but
1: <laughs> yeah good job you drew like three cards with your elvish visionary wirewood symbiote combo here's a grizzlebrand
0: <laughs> exactly but but you know now now i'm playing greenwood maverick online right now and i'm having so much fun with it and i don't know like i felt like like having these hate bears which is something you don't do in legacy and elves really like you Every now and then you have like Archon of Vader's Reach or maybe God of Teague, but without Mother of Rune, they're not nearly as good. But being able to go like Turn 1 Mother of Runes, hate Bear, like hate Bears go a really long way against the combo decks in Legacy I feel right now. I could be off, but I don't know, I really felt like, I don't know, what I'm basically trying to say is Maverick is the way to go. I think <laughs> it's probably the, the best, okay that's probably pushing it, the best tier 2 deck right now. It's just, like, it's my favorite deck of all time, and obviously I'm biased. Well, it's your favorite deck of all
1: time? Can you really say that?
0: Yes. Green, White, uh, Maverick from 2011 is my favorite deck of all time.
1: Wow. I feel like the uh, the Elves Cabal is, is calling you a traitor right now, Julian.
0: I don't know. You you know you can be married to something. No, actually. <laughs> 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 no, it's just, like, like Elves is is what I enjoy playing so much, but... Sometimes you don't get to play, and, and it sounds weird, but I, I feel like with Maverick, there's more games where you actually get to play. Like, play actual long, round out matches, and then I feel like the only really, really bad matchup with Maverick right now is Miracles, and that's always been the case. That's why we're running, like, three chokes in the sideboard and trying all kinds of trickery to get there. But oh well, ma- maybe just that's just me wanting to play more legacy right now, like, actual playing. Which Maverick allows me to do, whereas with Elves, I feel sometimes it, I just don't get to play.
1: Did you um, try a Palace Jailer?
0: Uh, I'm about to try it. Like I haven't tried it yet. Like right now, I'm running Sigarda in that slot, and Sigarda has been surprisingly good. Like Mario mm-hmm. Salesman has been pushing me to to try out Sigarda, and I've actually been really liking her thus far. But the card I like the most the script ranger. It's just like the most broken creature in all of Legacy.
1: <laughs> clearly, it's so good. clearly, yeah. I don't know. I just think um, I think Monarch. Um, so you guys probably don't follow Popper too much, but Monarch has like I completely do. overtaken pop- the Popper format, um, and I think it is like a part of Legacy that's like severely underexplored. I guess the problem is the Monarch cards are all pretty expensive, but I think like Palace Jailer is probably the best of the bunch. And, like, I was talking to Anurag about it. He was like, yeah, I think not not enough people are playing these Monarch cards because they're just so powerful. They literally just win the game. The game becomes about, like, hey, it's sudden death. Whoever can deal damage and, and like, hold the Monarch for the longest just runs away with the game. So he was saying, like, he felt like the death and taxes matchup was not as favorable as it used to be because everybody was getting smarter and playing, um, like, one to two palace jailers. Um, So, yeah, I don't know.
0: And now, now he's getting back at them by running three
2: Palace Chalice and Miracles. Yeah,
1: Palace Chalice and <laughs> Miracles. Yeah, I don't know, Chase. How do you feel about Monarch and Legacy? Do you think it's also underplayed or?
2: Yeah, I think that I also think it's just really a cool effect. It's very, very unique, and I think the people who are realizing that it's really good are doing really well. Right, like we saw several copies of Palace Shaler in both the the Team SCG Death and Texas decks and the ones in. Uh, in the quarterly. When I played against um, Lampalot in the quarters, he played one against me. It turns out it doesn't match up that well against Notion Thief, but uh, it otherwise <laughs> would have been very good. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that, that's very interesting. Like, I, I think from a, the Death and Taxes perspective, like, Grixis Control in your deck is, is similar to Grixis Control in a lot of ways, is one of the toughest matchups, and the way they approach the matchup is just like, you you actually leave in a couple plows, and the entire game plan revolves around recruitering up a palace jailer, resolving that, and then just hoping to ride that to victory. Um, so it's nice that you have a notion to, to cut off that line as well.
2: Yeah. In my experience, it's all, it's all about cataclysm. People cut forces sometimes, and I tell them, <laughs> if, the, if you smell a Cataclysm at all, you can't cut forces. <laughs> you yeah. can't beat been, that card. That's part of the strategy, right,
0: of, of like bringing Cataclysm to basically force your opponent to keep in force, which is otherwise not really a card that you would probably enjoy very much in a matchup. So I like these these super heavy strategically influenced sideboard things that you do. Um, for a while I did the same in elves before a braid became a thing. Like I really liked running artifacts uh, postboard against Deva, like Meek Stone or sometimes even Chitter, because they in the part they, in the past I had something like like Ancient Grudge, which really doesn't do anything against elves unless they have artifacts. And in game two, they can never know and they probably won't bring it in the blind. And then even game three, if you set it out again or not, like it's it's always going to be awkward. So I really love these heavily strategic influenced sideboard choices, like you just mentioned.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the reasons that Legacy holds holds its fun for so long. Because every every game, there's a, there's a sub-game going on, whether you know it or not
0: uh and speaking of like card choices uh i also see to the slaughter in your sideboard i think that's the for those who don't know it's an instant two colorless and a black target player sacrifices a creature or a planeswalker but if you have delirium enabled they actually have to sacrifice both how sweet is that if you get to take out like mentor and chase in the same turn
2: it's really sweet <laughs> <laughs> even sweeter when you take out a true name in a jace though oh, oh yeah blue white blue
0: white stone blade get out of here right <laughs> that that's one of those decks that people were talking about a lot over the last two weeks, uh, as well as like people were talking up Storm quite a bit. And I think uh, Bob, you also picked up Storm for at least a league where I was watching you. How did that go?
1: Uh, yeah, I played it for a few leagues. I think my overall win rate was like under sixty percent, so not great. But I did five O league with Cyrus, and he showed me some cool things. I I, th- I just think that deck is very powerful. And in the right hands, it, it could potentially be the best deck in Legacy right now. The only problem... There's two problems with it, I think. One is... Well, there's a few. Okay, so one is that it's absurdly hard to play. So... And if you make a mistake with it, you generally lose the game. Like, if you move, lo- make a mistake with, like, Delver, you're generally down, like, a card. If you make a mi- mistake with Storm, you're down your entire hand and you just lose the game. Uh, so that's that's only one downside. That can be, obviously, mitigated if you just, like, practice it and play better. Um, so it's not as inherent downside of the deck but definitely it's better to be easier to play rather than harder to play um so that's one thing the, another thing about it is that it's generally just behind against a lot of the chalice decks um so right now chalice isn't seeing as much play because blue white stoneblade is is really really good against the chalice decks um so that's another downside of storm is it's not good against chalice and then i think that the third downside is that if people are ready to beat you and like know how to play the matchup, like Chase was talking about, you know how important Nile Spellbomb was. Um, if people prepare and then like play certain sideboard options and like understand the matchup, uh, they can do a lot better against Storm. And it is at at its core, it's still a combo deck. So if someone tries to beat you, they generally can. Um, so I think that might be one reason why like there were a lot of great Storm players in the event, but none of them did that great. So.
0: Is it a deck that you're also considering for the GP, the Lexi GP coming up? Because I thought I saw you talk about that without spoiling yeah, it. Yeah, I
1: know. I, I think it's a really strong deck, but I don't think I um have enough time to get proficient with it. So I've mostly ruled it out for the GP. Um, for the GP, I'm down to like a few different decks. Um, in terms of what I think is best positioned, I'm still looking at um, I'm looking at miracles. Um, of oh, the Delver decks, I think blue red Delver is the best, but I'm not super excited about it. Um am still looking at Depths, and then I'll be very sad if I end up playing this, but I, I do admit it's a very strong deck, is Sneak and Show. So those are kind of like the four decks that I'm like uh, somewhat familiar with and would feel comfortable playing for the GP, and I guess I have a couple weeks to figure it out.
0: What about Team South Africa?
1: I don't know what that is.
0: That's, that's the name I just made up for, for Chase's deck. It's like blue, green, red, and black. I just feel like... It needs a proper name because on Magic on NTG Goldfish it's called Grixis Control, which it clearly is not. And we actually we, we got a question from one of our listeners who heard about that you would come on tonight, Chase, uh, and they wanted to know why do you feel or do you feel? I guess you do feel that it's worth it uh, to splash the extra green. Like, in what ways does your deck differ from traditional green uh, less Grixis Control lists? I guess that's already kind of a problematic question, because, like, your deck is very much about Deck Fade Do you do you think that there is a Grixis Control deck with Deck Faden and Punishing Fire out there that doesn't run green? Because in your main deck, you really only run green for three cards. A one of Leovold, a one of Abrupt Decay, and a one of Assassin's Trophy. As well as in this side... Okay, you, you got a lot of green in this side. Eh, well, you got one Pulse, one Deed, one Assassin's Trophy. So do you feel, basically... People could run the stack without the green splash.
2: Yeah, you can. I just think it's really close to free because you play three green sources from the groves already. uh, That it doesn't hurt your mana that much. Um, But yeah, you absolutely can. And when Deathrite Shaman first uh, got banned, I was playing a much less green. Uh, I was only touching it in the sideboard because I really hate not being able to blow it back to basics uh so so i i this this is maybe just back from when i played reanimator you got to blow up counterbalance just abrupt decays have to be there somewhere
0: another question that came in from our friend max gilmore and he asks doesn't it feel weird that you constantly keep crashing with the deck yet nobody else ever picks it up <laughs>
2: uh yeah i, I don't know <laughs>
0: okay question closed <laughs> <laughs> i
2: don't i I think what happens is people like try the deck and they realize it plays very differently from what they're used to or what they compare it to in their head. And they don't see how this deck could possibly be any good. And what, what, what I'm doing must be a fluke because it's... a fluke that got you like 20 legacy challenge top eights or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's I, the deck is, is really tough. There are so many decisions that can just... It's not quite like as punishing as Storm, where, you, where you'll lose the game, but it's pretty punishing.
1: Um, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think we haven't really touched on it, but like, what are you actually scared to face?
2: Uh, there's really two decks that I don't want to see, uh, and it's Burn and Eldrazi Post. Basically everything else, I feel like I can work a win out, but those matchups are just so hard.
0: Yeah, how, how do you even beat Eldrazi post? Like, you, you pinpoint your discard <laughs> and, and hope to just get there? Because, like, looking at the decklist, even post-board, it looks really rough, It, man.
2: it is. Um, one way is you hope that they're playing a lot of the artifact ramp instead of spells that do something, because Dakfaden matches up really well against that. Um, if that's not the case, you have to really just... Lean hard on your two assassins trophies and your planeswalkers.
0: The you land have, destruction plan. Yeah,
2: you have to get rid of their posts or their uh, dumb Tudor land. Uh, <laughs> I Ievugen, yeah. But it's it's rough. I, I I got lucky to beat it in the quarterly, but uh, it it was based on them starting with like a city of traitors, and then like getting their second land Assassin's trophy and getting their Mana Rock stolen by Dak Faden. It was, just everything came together for me, but it's not common that that happens.
1: Yeah, you definitely need a little bit of luck to win a big tournament anyways. But yeah, actually, this is one question I've, I feel like I've been struggling with a little bit is like, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about how Legacy was based more around bombs now. Is it also just, like, is there just, like, significantly more luck now? Because I, I definitely feel like my win rate has gone down. Well, okay, it's weird. I feel like my win rate's gone down in big events, but when I play leagues, I'm generally still pretty consistent, not too different from where I was when Rite was legal. But then when I just, like, go to a large event, I either do, like, really well or just scrub out, and I, I look back on my choices, and I'm like, I feel like I just got unlucky. Um, I uh-huh, don't know. Maybe...
0: Maybe you just do better when you're not wearing pants. I could see that being a reason. Well, <laughs> no. we
1: don't talk about how I play magic, Julian. Yeah,
0: we don't talk about me mooning people. Oh my god. Okay, keep
1: <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think uh Chase, what do you think? Do you think like Magic or Legacy has become like more luck oriented because of the bombs? Or like I, yeah, I just, it's really hard for me to pinpoint what's happening.
2: Yeah, it's tough for me too. I I think slightly uh, I think that something that the, the band did is it, it made the spread of win rates across players a lot more narrow than it was before, I think, uh, which which is to say it's, you know, l- luck is a bigger factor. But in some sense, I think that's good for the format, even though it's it sucks as a grinder, it feels really bad. But as far as like getting players in, assuming they can afford it, it's probably a good thing
1: yeah i mean if you look at artifact we were just talking about how like maybe there wasn't enough luck or it was just too damn complicated like from what i heard like the platinum pros from magic loved artifact because it felt like you know maybe they they were just like really really good at it and were winning super consistently but like yeah you definitely do want a game with some amount of variance
0: yeah mark rosewater has a really really uh, if you ask me one of the most important best articles ever re- uh, written about magic online, uh, about magic and he talked about how important luck is to the or variance is to making magic successful because we can all agree like we are happy that this is not chess even though like I, I like chess but i'm also happy that i'm not a competitive chess player and like you need a certain aspect of luck or variance in the game to make it less predictable and thus less frustrating actually because like if you sit down and you know 99% of the times you will lose it's very frustrating because you know it's always on you whereas when there's a certain element of luck you feel better about that and i'm not sure whether that's actually what's happening in legacy right now like i actually feel like my honest feeling is that previously before the ban it was a little bit more about like picking the correct deck i felt like there there was our much smaller selection of decks that you could pick from that you could expect to do really well with. Whereas now I feel it's more about like have match, having your sideboard match up well with what you're about to face. So I think the the swingy thing right now is more about matchups and less about how how the game actually plays out once you get to get playing. That's also why I'm running a lot more I would say extreme sideboard cards. Like when I was running Maverick these days I re- I played four either One Canonist, four Surgical Extraction, three jokes, and I could see even more adding even more to those, and really just trying to hard target the bad matchups, and then against the rest, just play actual magic, and that feels really good right now. Like, when you get to play magic right now, it feels really, really good.
2: I absolutely agree, and I, for a long time, at the beginning of the format, especially uh, since the banning, it's it's a, it's felt like a matchup lottery sometimes, which is... I think kind of what you just said, if yeah. if I understood correctly, uh, that's not my favorite thing, but uh, I, I definitely do appreciate that. You know, if you're not if you're not hitting one of those matchups where you just can't win, then then you do get to play some good magic magic. Ugh. So
0: I think the GP is coming up in a couple of weeks, right? So if you had to take a guess, what is the top eight gonna look like? well which decks like obviously you would probably expect like okay let, let me go first i think i expect something like two death and taxes two Delva decks one storm deck one guy playing pretty much everything like basically like team south africa for color control and and then the what? probably somebody making it in with like somebody always makes it in with like uh one of the niche decks like dredge or something i could even see even though I, I'm not a fan of that deck in the meta game right now, but probably even, eh, I don't know. I was about to say Black-Red reanimator, but I don't think that's... Actually, you know what? I'm calling it Maverick is going to top 8 the Legacy. I'm <laughs> really sure about that. How about you guys? Oh, and definitely uh, Dep- Dark Depth. Dark Depth is probably going to send in at least one person, like it always does.
1: I don't know. I just feel like there's no way for me to make a prediction because it's just so wide open. Like, it's just Hashtag absurdly wide open. wide open. So, like, let me list off, like, kind of the top 10 decks with finishes. And, like, they, they're they all, like, have approximately the same na- number of finishes lately. So it's, like, Miracles, Grixis Delver, Storm, Moonstompy, Grixis Control, Slow Depths, Sneak and Cho, Death and Taxes, Blue White Stoneblade, Blue Red Delver. But, like, it's just so even across the board. I think, like... Maybe you could call those 10 decks, like, Tier 1, but, like, there are plenty of decks beyond that that, like, like you mentioned, Maverick, you felt, like, is well-positioned. There's Elves. Like, there's just so many different decks. Um So, I don't know. I probably is- expect, like, maybe, like, six or seven of the uh, top eight decks to be kind of the decks I just listed, but I definitely expect, like, one or two wild cards to get in there, too.
0: Uh Chase,
2: are you attending? Are you going to the GP? Uh No, it's... Turns out it was a lot more of a pain to get there than I thought it was going to be. I wanted to initially, but I'm, I'm not going to be able to make it. Uh, but you, you can send somebody. Like, if
0: somebody is looking to get back better with the deck, they should definitely check out your stream. And I'm sure you're, you're also going to ask uh, answer a lot of questions about the deck, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. People send me messages on various media platforms, and I, I'm usually happy to answer as long as it's not... How do you sideboard in every single matchup? And, <laughs> and how hey, do you, pl- you do how do you how, do you how do you play the deck? Yeah, it's just it's,
0: it's too much. SI I have to write for university. Can you do that for me, please? Yeah. And but, speaking
2: of that, do you offer coaching? Uh, I don't, but I would. <laughs> I don't think it, I. I don't think I'm a, a very good coach. I, I. don't. I so I think I can teach. Uh, I, I do a lot of teaching for my job but uh, coaching just feels like I don't know maybe it's the same I don't know <laughs> I, I feel like I would get more frustrated in a non-professional setting do people address you as Mr. Chase at your job uh, no they just say Chase <laughs> oh no Mr. Hansen then right <laughs> <laughs> I yeah they, they ask what should I call you I say Chase is fine
0: you know, that would be the next step for Magic Broadcasting to make it even more professional. So they're like, hello, Mr. Scott Vargas, or hello, Mr. Kipler And Kipler would just lose it. That would be fun. <laughs> Absolutely. One more question we got from a viewer that I have to ask you. And I think I already know the answer. But first of all, my own question. When are you going to get Avatar of Wu in the deck? <laughs> like the games go so long it's like it's like a no brainer right you even you have deck fade to fuel it
2: i don't play enough creatures but uh wait does, oh, yeah, does it does it count in the deck does it count both graveyards i think it does let me actually check
1: I'm pretty sure it does. Julian is uh, going on Gather and taking a while, but I, I can—I would bet <laughs> yes, money yes, that it yes, does. Yes, yes,
0: yes, it does. Uh, I'm back, yeah, it counts. Because it makes sense. Actually, it doesn't make sense. I was about to say, it kills your, your opponent's creatures and then you can play more Avatars. Yeah, that's what you need, right? <laughs> Man,
2: I, one of these days, I'll probably play Avatar. I, I really love that card. It, it's just
0: got so much nostalgia for me. It was in a pre-constructed deck, and I remember when that pre-constructed deck came out, it was immediately sold out. Like, it's this, the jitte effect that we got later on in Kamigawa, but yeah, <laughs> I really want to see the card become a thing in Legacy. And But the other question was, what is it going to take for you to comp- go full circle and play five color control? When are you going to add white? When will Palace chaler start showing up in your
2: deck? I don't know if Palace Jailer will show up, but I came really close during the Deathright Shaman era to playing Lingering Souls. <laughs> I I really like Lingering Souls. Um, I I don't know. Something really weird would have to happen because my deck feels like I can like the the problem. The problems that it has are not solved by white. Uh, there would have to be some problem that white was really efficient at solving for me to, to to add it
0: yeah white is not really very good problem solving can only just like remove artifacts and enchantments are you looking forward to what mark rosewater announced by the way he said that black is gonna get enchantment removal
2: uh i didn't know that i might be able to, to cut back on my green splash <laughs> <laughs> i mean there's always
0: a chance it's like an eight mana enchantment that triggers on your next upkeep as well as <laughs> like one
2: enchantment i don't know something like yeah that. yeah there's there's a there's one black card I think that destroys artifacts that has some insane restrictions like that. <laughs> but I
0: think we we will see how that's gonna work out in the future. Um, for now, I would like to give shoutouts to our friend Franco Boli, 33, who. To this day, is still our only review on iTunes. So, if you want to leave a review for Everyday Channel on, well, basically anywhere, but iTunes is usually where it's at. We would be really happy about seeing some of those. Uh, I think Bob actually went ahead and like left a couple of reviews for our other podcasts. So, shout out to Bob. Hey,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I try to I try to support the legacy podcasting community in any way I can. But, yeah, no, seriously, though, uh, we definitely appreciate your reviews. Like, it really helps us get more noticed. Uh, it helps us move up in, like, the podcast rankings. And so it definitely is a huge boon for us. So if you wouldn't mind taking, you know, just 30 seconds out of your day to leave a review, we'd be super happy to hear what you had to say, good or bad. Yeah, but mostly I'd good. Post-
0: Definitely also make sure to check out Chase's stream and Bob's stream. Bob, are you going to st- stream a little more in the next couple of weeks?
1: You know, I don't know. I, I go back and forth. I, I love the idea of streaming. and I do stream from time to time, but I don't know if I ever want to commit to it. Um, but sure, I'll, I'll definitely throw out a couple streams um, out there. Oh, the other problem I have, which you might be able to hear right now, is I have, I have Tully in the background. He's my dog, who whenever I start talking, he seems to think I'm talking to him. So that that is a problem when <laughs> streaming sometimes.
0: You know, you could actually make that part of your stream or something. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say that's people who watch internet stuff—they don't have a problem with dogs. They love them. That's
1: a fair point. (laughs) That's a fair point.
2: But I guess we need to work on your webcam because
0: right now, whenever I see you streaming, it's basically your your forehead streaming, and we can barely see your eyes. No,
1: my webcam always freezes. It's really frustrating. Um, So I should work on getting a better one.
0: Uh, so that's another thing. So if you want to support support Bob or, like, the podcast altogether, we are very open. If you want to sponsor this, um, just tip me up or Bob or Eric on Twitter. And, yeah, we, we'll be happy to work out a deal because right now we are, like, basically stealthing our way into getting newer ac- free trial accounts for our podcasting software. And in the long run, I think we're eventually going to run out of tricks to make that work. So if you want to become part of the Everyday turtle support family uh whether it's just like a donation or something regular to become part of the sponsorship for this thing we'd be very happy to work with you um but in speaking of social media bob where can people find you
1: um so you can you can find me on twitter at grizzlepuff and that's all uh yeah and i'm on twitch.tv slash grizzlepuff as well so those two would probably be the best
0: is there a grizzlepuff.com
1: uh, I hope not <laughs> it might be the, uh, the
0: shout shoutouts to
2: blackbeltshow.com.
0: <laughs> anyway um, Chase where can people find you
2: uh, twitch.tv slash strifo my twitter handle is also strifo and I'm strifo on reddit as well so any of those places if you want to contact me I'm probably awesome. available so if you
0: if you want to find me, uh, check out Twitch TV slash itsjulian. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at itsjulian23. Uh, also check out itsjulian.com where this podcast is hosted. And with that, I think I want to thank Bob and Chase for coming on tonight. Uh, I think it's quite early on in the morning for Chase. It's like Bob actually I think. You're going to spend the rest of your evening having fun, and I'm about to go to bed and grind some Green White Maverick at a local tournament tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to that. So, guys, thank you so much. And for you, for tuning in, and everybody else, uh, see you next time when we got some more Everyday Channel going on. Hopefully with Matt again. I'm really looking forward to having
2: Matt back. (laughs) (laughs) You guys don't want to say bye-bye? Okay. (laughs) uh, (laughs) uh, Thanks for having me on, guys. I really do appreciate
1: it. Yeah, no, thank you, Chase, for coming. It was awesome having you on. Uh, Definitely learned a lot about the deck, and who knows, maybe I'll give it a try myself. Uh, Yeah, thank you to Julian for putting this all together.
0: Uh, Yeah, thanks for making this work. Hashtag Team South Africa. I want to make this work. This is going to be the thing. (laughs) Bye-bye, everyone. See you next time.